The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it, Midweek Editions here. It's Hale Varsity Radio. We're presented by Currency for all your equipment financing needs. Go Currency. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Hope you're doing all right. We're loaded up, man. Excited to spend time with Mike Babcock. Babbers going to be with us. Mr. Oscar Football. Get his take on Indiana and the Big Red. Mike Schuhart with us from Wilderness Ridge Gulf. We'll get Shuey to get out his crystal ball for Nebraska football Saturday night. And then Matt Millen, of course, the old Raider, the old Washington and uh, 49ers, four-time Super Bowl champion, old Penn State linebacker. Matt Millen's been doing a lot of Big Ten network action for quite a few years. He'll be roaming the uh, the press box on Saturday night, part of the BTN network crew. Here, we'll get his take on the Big Red and the uh, project ahead for whoever is coaching Nebraska. That's in the 5 o'clock hour. Evan Bland with us. And then a jock doc. Numbers to get in with us today can join us. Encouraged to do so at 466-3776-466-3776. Toll free where you can hear us around the state. 1-800-825-5865. can email chris at hailvarsity.com. And watch us. Stream in on ESPN Lincoln's Twitter on Hale Varsity Radio's Twitter handle at HVarsity Radio and uh, Facebook Live with ESPN Lincoln. Also, uh, find Elijah on Twitter at uh, Herbal Essence, myself, Chris Schmidt, at Schmidt underscore radio. I think we got all of the, uh, the appetizers out of the way. Then we can dive in. And Elijah, you look at the line, you look at the numbers, and then you look at the messaging today from Whipple. You look at the messaging today from Bill Bush, both coordinators, it's, it's really about no quit. And it can go one of two ways, right? What, what am I being told? What's the media being told by a coach or athletic director or somebody in power? Is it the truth or is it the opposite of what's going on? <laughs> okay? That's always where I go. It's either... Uh, straight from the horse's mouth or we're going to say what we need to say but here's what's really going on the opposite is true and i don't we'll see we'll see saturday night we'll see the rest of the season but we'll see what nebraska football is made of and there's been a lot of teams in a lot of tough spots and a lot of transition and uh too many times to count the last two decades of season's gone awry and football players and teams having to to fight through 
adversity. Makes you stronger, makes you better, makes you able to deal with life, life. But man, when it comes to the, uh, the, the, the fairy tale college experience, not a lot of Nebraska teams have had uh, the opportunity to go four or five years here in Lincoln without major change, be it your position group or your head coach or your athletic director or both or expectations, living up to expectations. Right now, I think expectations are pretty low for this football team just because of what's happened. And then there's the the question of, all right, I don't think you can question effort. That's us. Uh, I don't think you're going to be able to question the effort, but man, what's uh, what's the talent look like for this team? What's the depth going to be for this football team? So some emails to get into today, and uh, we'll spend time with Mike Babcock here in a little bit. The question is is out there about some some of the names in coaching, right? So. We'll have some response from Chad and Kevin, uh, according to, to Kaz, in his, his, his comments on Tim Allen yesterday. But Matt emails in, and this is the name that's been out there, Elijah. You have J- uh, Jamie Chadwell. He's Coastal Carolina. Uh, why is Nebraska too good for Jamie Chadwell? The local media seems like they won't say his name out of fear he'll get hired. Why is he not good enough? His spread option attack would give Nebraska several advantages. Hmm. You have the advantage, that plus one with the quarterback run, right? Uh, The quarterback run game has always been successful, been very successful the past 50 years. And uh, we have more uh, gap scheme blocking. That's something Rob Zanica says helps out the O-line, makes their job easier. We'll talk to Rob about that tomorrow because Rob will be on with us. But it also stresses the opponent, and they've got to make special considerations when preparing the play. That's what was awesome about the the Osborne offense. The option offense was something you didn't see every day, and you had a difference maker at quarterback more times than not, and then you could murder teams off of play action. From what I understand, everyone's favorite coach of the week is Dave Aranda. He likes the zone stuff. And from what I've seen, we've not had an O-line the last seven years that's dominant enough to run zone all the time. Let's not try to out Ohio State, Ohio State. Let's be Nebraska. Let's be a more modern version of Nebraska. Well, so, isn't that what Scott Frost was supposed to bring here? Wasn't it supposed to be that Nebraska power, that old Nebraska merged with the, the new college football, the new schemes on offense? Well, what I'll say, I don't think Jamie Chadwell is a bad head football coach. I think he's a really good sense, coach. But he's back burner because Nebraska is looking deeper than scheme with their next head coach. Every single scheme in college football works with the right personnel. Every single scheme. It's not coming down to scheme with with who Nebraska wants to hire. It's coming down to the things they do off the field. Recruiting. How how they can manage. Can they uh, win in the Big Ten? Do they know how to win in the Big Ten? So it comes down. It's deeper than things off the field. I I would go as far as to say, um, for the most part, just about every offensive scheme that is currently running college football could find success in the Big Ten if you have the right people to Mm -hmm. run that scheme. And if if you can make the right adjustments to your scheme to make it work in the Big Ten. Because every single scheme is going to need slight tweaks 
based on, on the opposition you're playing. And the Big Ten, especially with the defense around, is a different beast. So there's nothing wrong with, with what Jamie Chadwell does with mm-hmm. his scheme. I just don't think he's, A, proven as a program builder at a place like Nebraska. And B, I'm not sold on, on the other things. Can he come to Nebraska and recruit? Recruiting in the Carolinas is a different beast than recruiting in Nebraska. You got a lot of talent in the Carolinas. You got an abundance of talent. I think he's a really good coach. I do too. And and I think and I think he'll be a really good coach at an ACC or an SEC. I think he'll be really good. I just don't know that you can go get somebody that does not have major Power Five experience, and I don't think you can go get somebody who doesn't have major. Uh, Big Ten experience or have connections to the Big Ten. I think that's very, very important. You got to hire in the Big Ten or be from the Big Ten in some form or aspect, either as a coordinator, as a player, and then be able to go grasp and grab some of those other guys. Is this a name we need to be talking more about? Lane Kiffin. No. Just hear me out. This was Lane at his presser. And, and maybe it's just a signal to Nebraska to reach out so he can make more money off the sip. <laughs> He's done well. He's grown up. He was born in Lincoln. Right. Uh, Lane's, Lane's doing really well. Brilliant offensive mind. A lot of talent around where he's at. But that's a fair question. Is Ole Miss a destination spot? I mean, is that where guys want to go and – coach the rest of their career or is it a stepping stone mile marker pit stop on the way to a bigger better job but here's lane kiffin when it comes to crowd support and fans you know when you come back out and you run out the tunnel and it looks like you know a high school game um playing in a college stadium you can't let that affect you i mean you know there's psychology to that obviously there's a home field advantage for a reason and you know, when it goes the other way, and you kind of have that feeling, you know, that, man, are we still really playing in a game here? You know, the players have to fight that. So, again, we use that as a learning lesson for our guys. So, if that's the case, that's the case. But, <clears throat> I mean, I'm, I'm worried about what I can control. I've tried social media in here for two years. So, you know, we'll worry about what we can control, and that's getting our players ready to play. So, you, you know, Nebraska's got a stadium that's sold out still. It's not what it once was where it was elbow to elbow for four quarters. You had to go wander out to a tailgate or a watering hole because you've seen some bad football. You don't return. You've seen some tough losses. But for the most part, it starts out full. You don't got to worry about the fan base or the crowd having your back. That's just not a, a, a subtle shot by Lane at, all right, you guys, my guys got to feed off your energy. We're giving you stuff to cheer about. It can't look like uh, we can shoot a cannon through the student section because you want to go party and have a good time, uh, you know, at the Grove. You've been to the Grove, so you can talk to me about uh, the, the seating options versus the, uh, the fun and festivities of the old Miss tailgate scene. See, I went pre-lane oh. when I was hanging out in the group. I was pre-lane whenever they were losing by like 70 to Bama. Okay. So well, I, really, that was you freeze before there. No, who's the guy in between? It was Ed was there, or Geron. That was way, way, you weren't even born yet when Ed was there. Uh, maybe not. Let, let's, let's look it up. Or you, it, you had some guy. Maybe in Lane's first year. Okay. 
Oh, no, he was at Florida Atlantic until 2019, and I went in 2019. Okay, so who was at Ole Miss then? For a, for a hundred. The old Google machine. Let's get the old Google. Well, but is Lane Kiffin a name that excites you? Matt Luke was the head coach. Yeah, Matt Luke. Now he's an offensive line coach. You know? Yeah, that was it, it was bad football back then. Yeah, Matt Luke put out. He had, he had a lot of fires to put out. Bill Bush, not looking at the situation like that for Nebraska. We'll get to him in a minute. Can, can I just say really fast with, with those Lane comments, that seems less like a shot at, his, at the fans of Ole Miss. And more to me, it was the last statement where he said, where he said, I've been, I've been trying on social media. I've been mm-hmm. doing what I can do. It seemed to me like he was calling for his athletic department for some help, saying like, hey, let's, let's find a way to get some fans in here because I have given you the good product. And I, it doesn't come down to a head football coach to try to, to try to fill the stands. I think he's calling for more support from the athletic department. They get great support on, on filling Swayze for their baseball games. Mm-hmm. Athletic department does great with that. I think he's calling out to his athletic department saying like, hey, if, if you don't want to be little brother in the SEC with fans, give, give me or with our program, mm-hmm. give me some. I've, I've made the talent and I've made it work on the football field. Now, if you want to really step up and be a, a real SEC program, it comes down to you guys to, to, to sell this place a little bit more. I would be that, surprised that if Lane's there in five years. I'd be surprised if he's there in five years. I would agree with that. But I don't think he's leaving in the near future. I think his next step is either a monster raise there because – they finished top three, right? You uh, Freeze was the guy to take down Saban and Bama, but I think the NFL. Maybe he get maybe he gets back to the NFL. He was real, real young when he was in uh, in Oakland when he got that NFL head job. Bill Bush weighs in here, and he has a can-do attitude with Nebraska football. Bush, Bush the interim defensive coordinator, uh, and he's. Uh, He's not, he's not crying in his beer. He thinks uh, he's excited about the opportunity tonight and the rest of the season. I think an advantage has been uh, for the spot that I'm in, and it's not a tough spot. It's, I, I don't have to. I get to. It's a great opportunity. So it's not a tough spot. Everybody's out. Oh, it's a tough spot. That's a, yeah, my ass. It's not a tough spot. Just go out and coach. That's what you signed up to do. So it's not a big deal. Uh, but the, 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 the positive about it is, is that uh, I was around these guys. So I've coached, you know, I've coached the O-line when they're in the score team on, on the field goal team. I've coached D-line when they're on field goal block. I've coached all these positions. So I've been around the team uh, for a long time. So everyone knows who I am. Everybody knows who's been in the rooms with me. They kind of know how, uh, how I operate a little bit. So that helps. More from Bush here on, on his first job as the interim coordinator. The first thing we worked on is, is, is how to get lined up fast and how to play as simple as we can. I'd love to play one defense. Everyone in the country would love to play one defense. So that's, hey, we play this and we do this, and that wraps it up for us. There's a lot more to it because there's so many situations like we talk about all the time. I use rooms in a house. I learned this from Coach Gruden. It's like, hey, you know, first and second down, that's you're in the kitchen. Everything goes on in the kitchen. You know, third down, fourth side, that's a living room. It's a little bit different type of, of deal like that. The attic, you don't use it much. That's goal line. There's all these different situations that come up. So we try to address things in different phases with them right there. But we are trying to do everything we can to be able to make it as as simple as we can to make sure hey, we get lined up and get our feet set and be able to go. We felt that there was some things that boys can improve on communication as we scream at them all the time. And I say scream, we teach at them. The same thing in, in special teams is, is that communication breeds confidence. So if we have the right communication, we know we've made the right call. Our communication will breed confidence and we'll build ourselves up from there. Think about how much faster Nebraska can play if they 
know what they're doing, if there's real, real confidence in what's being asked of them. Well, what, what I think this, this defense needs not only is confidence – but it just needs a spark. It needs some energy, so something to, to give them life early in this game on Saturday to make them, uh, you know, say, you know what, we're not as bad as everyone's we been saying. We can do it. We can do it. You can do it. Well, what's that spark going to be? Is it going to be an interception? Is it going to be a walk a flock concert on Friday night? I mean. Uh, yeah, fumble is where <laughs> I would go. <laughs> like, just like, give me live music. Don't sleep on Waka. I, I, I am unaware. To sound like a crusty old man, I am unaware of uh, what you're all hyped about Friday. Walk are you, you going to get him on with us down at the single barrel or I could, not? I could try. I mean, this was like middle school Elijah's when Waka Flock was real big. Ah, okay. So uh, that translates to affordability. <laughs> 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 hey, Waka Flocka. When I hear Waka, I think of Fozzie Bear. Waka, Waka, Waka. It's me. Sorry. <laughs> Mike uh, Babcock, Mr. Nebraska Football on the way with Hale Varsity. Each year, approximately 5,000 children are diagnosed with brain cancer. Of those children, nearly 30% will not survive, and many of those that do are left with debilitating side effects for life. We're asking you to help by tuning in to the 10th Annual Team Jack Foundation Radiothon presented by the Home Agency on September 29th. Become a champion for a cure for just $20 a month. Visit teamjackfoundation.org to learn more. Thank you for helping us fight for a cure. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you, it's Hale Varsity. We're presented by Currency. We say hi to Mike Babcock from HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. Uh, when we talk about Currency, for all your equipment financing needs, go Currency at MD Babs on Twitter. Mike, it's Indiana Week. How are we doing? Mike, you're muted. Mike, you got your, your mic muted, bud. I only say things of substance when I haven't muted. <laughs> um, I had great insight there, and now I unmuted it, and I'm at a loss again. No, you're, you're awesome. Uh, you're always substantive. Uh, some new faces, potentially. Let's, let's go there. Does new mean better for Nebraska, potentially, on the defensive side of the ball? Nebraska doesn't sound like they're going to be afraid to go young here. No, no. Um, you know, I, I, I was at the uh, availability this morning, and, and I really thought that Bill Bush came across as enthusiastic, and he gave the players a lot of credit uh, for their ability to uh, go through what he said was adversity, not just on the field, but, you know, in the, in the coaching situation. And, and so I think that uh, whoever gets an opportunity to get on the field on Saturday night is, is going to be uh, – is going to give the effort that you need. That's, you know, that's the thing. You need the effort, but you also need the attention to detail, the fundamentals, and I hope that that's there. The the effort sometimes was waning, depending on who you ask. Towards the end of the Oklahoma game, and the I, I dude, I don't play ball. I just know that I, I can't run as fast or, or or tackle. So I'm I'm the last to criticize. But you hear. Some former players, you hear Coach McBride talk about loafs, right? And it was out of hand, but he's still fighting till the very end. I think from an energy standpoint, you know, that that seems to have been a big focus, not only on Mickey, but also Bush. And that that is something that they can do and have done 
at a high level, Mike, throughout their careers motivate, and Nebraska's in a big-time position of motivation. They need it moving forward, not just for Saturday night, but the rest of the season. Yeah, yeah, and you know, it's it's tougher to to lay it all out there to the end when you've gone through some of the things that Nebraska's gone through. I think it get, it does get in your head. You can't you say it, you might say that it doesn't get in your head, but it, it it does. And I think that's where Nebraska is right now. I think it's the mindset is part of it, and I think that we see it with Nikki Joseph and with Bill Bush uh, and and Mark Whipple is they're trying to get that back in the players' heads that, hey, we fight to the end. We have an opportunity. We can win. Um, because right now it's it's just really difficult for, for a player to not get discouraged, you know, whether he acknowledges it or not. Um, you know, how do you avoid that when things have gone the way they have with Nebraska and changes now have been made again and you've gone through this process before? Um, how difficult is that for somebody that's uh, – 18, 19, 20, 21 years old. Well, Mike, I hate to go all the way back to the Oklahoma game, but did, did you see a team that was defeated on the field, like a, a team that just played without energy, or do you see a team that was just outclassed? Well, I think they were outclassed. You know, there, there was no question about that. But it still gets in your head when people start talking about, well, you know, Adrian Martinez went down to Kansas State, and Kansas State beat Oklahoma, you know. <laughs> yeah. um, you get in that – you it it affects your mind um, whether you uh, acknowledge it or not. And uh, Buford talked about, you know, he doesn't go on social media. He, he doesn't want any part of that. You know, he doesn't know what's going on. Um, it almost has to come to that point because if you do pay attention to any of that outside noise, it's going to be there and it's going to affect how you look at things when you get on the field. Mike, as you look at this matchup, uh, are you – thinking a lot of points and and both defenses will be spread out and spent. I know Nebraska depth is going to be very key because of what Indiana wants to do tempo-wise. Yeah. uh, You know, I think there are going to be some points scored. And, and, you know, it didn't surprise me really that Nebraska opened as a favorite. I mean, I think still if you can get in that – if you can get that mindset going um, and and get in the right frame of mind – against a team and you're playing at home um, and you've got coaches that are having a lot of enthusiasm and are uh, see it from your point of view, I, I think Nebraska has an opportunity to uh, to win that game on, on Saturday night. But it, it's probably going to be – it's going to take some points to do it. I, I, I think that's probably right. Mike Babcock is with us here on Hale Varsity Radium, Radio. Excuse me, Read'em uh, with Hale Varsity Magazine. has been covering the Huskers for years. And, Mike, I want to get your take. Uh, the defense, obviously, we know their struggles uh, and what they need to do on Saturday in order to, to give this offense a chance to go win the football game. But in your opinion, the lines of scrimmage have been bad this season on both sides of the ball. In your opinion, which side uh, of the ball with the lines of scrimmage, offensive line or defensive line, are going to be more key uh, for this Husker team on Saturday to go out and get a win? Well, for me, if we're if we're talking about they're going to be points put up by both teams, um, then I'm going to say Nebraska's offensive line, which has been restructured a little bit now um, because of a, a couple of injuries and and uh, you know how is that going to play out? Now I know uh, Turner Corcoran has has a game, you know he has experience at tackle, and he you know he started the last game I think, but uh, um, I think it's going to depend on the offensive line getting the job done. 
uh, for Nebraska to get that offense going if you're going to get into a game where it's going to be uh, points are going to be scored. Mike, uh, going to switch gears briefly as Fred Hoiberg met the media yesterday, a couple of different players, Breidenbach as well. And, you know, what, what's your outlook? What's your early feel with, uh, with the makeup here? Uh, you, you got Derek Walker back, and that's really about it. A bunch of new faces. But Fred said all the right things yesterday about this team and this chemistry that he feels pretty good about so far. Yeah, you know, it's going to be interesting to see, can he get the players to mesh? That's the key, because I think you've got some talent there. Um, you know, Derek Walker's back, Komanaga's back, and, they, you know, he had a really good, uh, uh, w- with the Japanese team, he, he led the team in scoring. I think he's I think he's got potential to be a factor. C.J. Walter, they said he's trimmed down, doesn't even look like the same player, But and, and Breidenbach is back. Um, so you've got some players returning, but you've got to mix in some really good players, I think. And you know how hard that can be. I mean, sometimes, and Fred Hoiberg has experience with that kind of thing, but you just don't know how they're going to mesh. And that's, I think that's the big key uh, to, to men's basketball going into the season is how do all these new guys mesh? Um, does, it, does it work that way? Fred Hoiberg said that it's it's kind of a, everybody is looking at looking to win, not 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 being selfish in practice. They're not seeing that, so maybe that maybe it's going to work. Now, Mike, over the past couple of years, I think it's been pretty evident to, to sports writers, fans alike, uh, that Nebraska's had some deficiencies down in the low block, down in the paint. And Waka Flock, he's coming Friday. And Schmidt, we hit this first segment, but I'll hit it again here. He's got a song. It's probably his biggest song. is called "Hard in the Paint." Okay. Is that the key? The uh, letter Mike? N. What? Hard in the paint. Yes. The letter N. No, it's it's actually I N. Okay. But it, I, it, making, but I, just, but I didn't know if, if it was. It, it's D A for duh. Duh. No, I know that. Duh paint. Yeah. 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 Now, is that a key though, Mike? In your mind for Husker basketball this season, it's finding some guys that can be post presence just to be able to match up with some of those bigger Big Ten teams. Yeah, I think that's a good point, Elijah. I think that is a key. I think it's been a key. Um, and and does Nebraska have the uh, the size to to uh, to to be strong in the inside? Because that's you got to be that way in the Big Ten. It's a little bit like being able to run the ball in football. It's the same thing. You got to be able to do something inside. It's been difficult for Nebraska. Um, maybe this is the time that where Nebraska gets it done. Mike, real quick, uh, when we talk coaching search. And I want to get a thought from you, and I know you're you're a Mickey guy, but uh, there's also the national search part. Has there a name that has picked up either intrigue or some steam from you uh, that's out there here? Uh, well, you know, you're right, Mickey, for me, and I don't think that the rest of the season is probably enough to really evaluate uh, given the circumstances of his situation. Um, and then another person, again, I'm biased, Lance Leipold is the is the is the guy that uh, that I would like to see if it, if it weren't Mickey, I'd like to see if Nebraska could get him away from Kansas because he does have some Nebraska connections, mm-hmm. and uh, he's done a great job, uh, I think, with Kansas, mm-hmm. uh, and you know he he did well at Buffalo, he did super at his alma mater of Wisconsin Whitewater. Um, I think he has the kind of experience. The same thing that I like about Mickey is that Mickey has had so many different 
levels of experience in coaching um, and his ability to recruit is, is, is very significant. But yeah, I, Lance Lightfold is, is a guy that I, I really like. Do you worry about getability with Lance? Um, you know, that's a good question because, you know, he's just in his second year at Kansas. Um, and, and maybe he's, uh, he, he feels like he has some responsibility there. But, um, I, you know, I know at some point he probably would have liked to have had an opportunity at the Nebraska job. So um, never say never, I guess, in, the, in this, in this uh, college football world with any of these, with any of these coaches. Mike Babcock's with us here. And Mike, one last thought here before we get you out. It was announced uh, last week, uh, the Grateful Dead, at least what's remaining of them, uh, still touring uh, along with the, uh, the Dead & Company tour, going on their final tour next summer, a stadium tour yet again. Your, your reaction to... Anywhere uh, near us, we can all go. I think they're going to Colorado. De- Babbers, are you in? Well, let me... I think they're going to Colorado. I think they are going to Colorado, which is the last time that I saw uh, my son and I went to Colorado to see him uh, in Denver. But Mike, Mike uh, your reaction to, to the Grateful Dead, though, I mean, it, it, it's been uh, an era, I, I guess, for them. Uh, they've been touring for years now, and uh, they're finally hanging it up. Yeah, th- so they say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, maybe. I, I thought it was interesting. I, I got some information about how you could actually stream it if you didn't want to actually go to these places. Mm. You could stream these conferences, uh, con- concerts as well, so... Um, yeah, it's 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 quite the deal, quite a little bit of a surprise, I guess, but uh, and a nice new logo, so they'll be selling T-shirts and all that sort of thing. But well, um, yeah, probably the last time around for those guys. We're gonna get the old truckster loaded up. Mike is riding with Elijah. You're going with. We'll get Kaz back. Kaz has got that Grateful Dead shirt. Yeah, big Grateful yeah. Dead fan, and we'll just all make a road trip of it. We we we'll get truck Barrett to go with us too. Well, yeah, okay, so you'll get a hold of uh, Barrett. All right. But he's probably, yeah, he's probably going to go whether we do or not. <laughs> let's, uh, let's get a big old Volkswagen van for old time's sake. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. There you go. Babbers, we'll see you on Saturday. Thank you much. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. There he is. Mike Babcock with HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. Mike Shuhart on the way. Matt Millen from BTN next hour. Like what you hear? High quality radio and podcasts are just part of what we do at Hale Varsity. I'm Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor. I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we do, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe promo code GBR. And now, and now back to Hail Varsity Radio. Big thanks to Mike. Getting choked up thinking about Mike Babcock. Wow. Uh, Matt Millen on the way. Another Mike we love. Mike Shuart, Wilderness Ridge Golf. Shuey, I can't thank you enough. I told you Saturday, and I'm telling you again that it was so awesome to see and spend time out at Wilderness Ridge. I had uh, just a dream Saturday, and Shuey, Elijah, you're going to get a kick out of this. Shuey walks up to me and has a big old grin and gives me a hug and looks me in the eye. He's like, now, Schmidt, 
don't you go set in a course record the other way. (laughs) 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 Oh, Shuey, then you patted me on the back and just shook your head. (laughs) Man, that was fun. That was a lot of fun on Saturday. How are you doing? I'm doing awesome. Did you make any birdies that day? Uh, no, I, I did nope. not. I, I did not. I had about four, like true. I had four. I had four pars though. Okay. Nice. Did you hit more fairways or trees? No, my first, my first six tee shots were either all in the fairway or on a couple of the par threes. I, I hit the green like on, on the first try. So my, I inherited my dad's driver. Right. And I just got in, in a, in a rhythm of, just uh, just great setup, footwork, easy swing. And I drove it as far as I've ever driven. I mean, they were just straight down the middle. Like, the guys nice. I golfed with, then it faded. I mean, and it wasn't, <laughs> wasn't aim and juice. I just, I'm, just, I'm a wuss. I, I just faded. And then um, I think 14 uh, absolutely abused me, my friend. <laughs> oh, you're not the only one that abuses. No, but Shuey, Wilderness Ridge, man, folks can can get out there for fall golf, get a membership, do it today. It is pristine, my friend, as as challenging as the weather has been between spring and, and into the summer. Man, you guys did an awesome job, and it's so much, it's so beautiful. The scenery uh, is is as much as the the challenge. I mean, it's it's a challenging course, but it was so much fun. Well, good. I'm glad you had a great time. It was a great day for golf, man. It was it was absolutely gorgeous out, and that makes it even that much better. Well, we appreciate you. And so tell me here, um, Nebraska, if you were to equate Indiana to the 18 on the championship course, what hole is Indiana? Mm, they they got to be your – I would say they're our, our easiest hole. <laughs> Okay. Okay. So, in your opinion, which one is that? <laughs> what our easiest hole on the course would be probably number six. Okay, I did well on. Five. I did. I did well on six, actually. See. Yeah. So, hopefully, we can play it like the easiest hole on the course. But who knows what's going to happen? What are you feeling like? I mean, are you? You've. Um, seen the team get about a week off you've uh had a a change with chenander and and frost and and now you got new voices and you've got bush bush trying to simplify uh shui with uh, where the defense is i mean i really like mickey a lot i like what he says i like how he commands a, a press conference you know and he he says all the right things but you know, like the old saying says, you know, talk is cheap. You know, actions speak louder than words. So it's like, can they can they put their stuff on the field? It, I mean, it's nice they had a week off. That'll help them kind of implement some stuff and get a little more comfortable. Um, so, uh, you hope. I mean, I'm, I'm rooting for Mickey a lot because I like him a lot. Mm-hmm. I, I think he interacts with the players really well. I think they really like him and want to play for him. So hopefully that translates. You know, they got some talent. That this, they got to get it in the right positions and get them to believe a little more in what that is they are capable of doing. So who knows, man? Every week is is a, a new eye-opening experience. Let's put it that way. Should we let's let's play the name game here for a second? Who is Mike Schuhart's leader in the clubhouse to be Nebraska's next head coach? 
Oh, boy. I'm going to throw a name way out there. Uh, Mike Tomlin. No, no. Don't ask him. Don't ask him. (laughs) (laughs) I I like that, though. I like. Did you ever see the the thing with Mike Tomlin uh, earlier this year where he got the whole team black Air Force Ones? Schmitty? Oh, yeah. That's pretty cool. Got the entire team black Air Force Ones because... Uh, it's uh, it's a quality of, of being a, a menace. If you wear black Air Force Ones, you're most likely, the, the All Blacks, you're most likely a menace, and you want his team to play like menaces this year. That's pretty good. Now, Tomlin's awesome. He ain't going to college, should we? But, you know, I no. love the name. As far as the, the, the name game, do you know much or have a, a feel on Leipold or, or Aranda? I mean, I the more I think about it, I think it's, it's tough to get Aranda. We had a, a really good tweet in about KU. Um, getting extending and putting a nasty buyout in with uh, with Leipold. So yeah, guarantee I don't know. you they're gonna they've got to do something like that. They're gonna be scared to death that they're gonna lose him. I mean, he's a he, he's a common sense choice. I mean, he's got some Nebraska ties. You know, it's like it's just so hard to know what you know what the pulses of guys what they want to do. I, I would think he would be a logical choice. I think he would want to come here. I mean, it's a, you know, it's a, obviously a bigger school than Kansas. I mean, it's, the upside is tremendous, mm-hmm. you know, so it's like, is that a guy that you want? Is that a guy? I mean, he's got a proven track record, mm-hmm. kind of, you know, he's done it everywhere he's been, but has he done it at a top power five team? No, and that's and that's the thing. It's like what he's doing at Kansas is is impressive because of where he started in that in that um, in that Big Twelve mix, right? You just got to get somebody that can come win in the Big Ten too. That's that's the big thing. That's the thing. You got to have somebody that that knows the Big Ten, mm-hmm. that can play in the Big Ten, knows how to coach against those coaches that are in the Big Ten. The coaches in the Big Ten are they're the best in the in the world. Yeah, I mean these really guys good. are good. I mean, and they take their football very serious on how they coach it, how they treat it, how they train it, uh, their expectations. You know, because it has to be. I mean, that's it, it's a top to bottom. It's an incredible league with incredible coaches and talent. You know, and you have to kind of know the style to be able to play in that league. So, I mean, you have to get – that's where uh, Leipold is a little bit uh, – I'm not that high on him. Mm-hmm. I mean, just because he hasn't done it there. You need somebody – you know, O'Brien's name is out there, which is what he did at Penn State with that mess. Mm-hmm. But he, he knows the Big Ten, you yeah. know. Um, Rule, I like Rule's name a lot. You know, I think he's one that you could possibly get. But, I mean, who knows? It just, it just knows? hinges on if, if he stays alive in Carolina or not. Shuey, how can folks get in touch with you for some lessons, some gear, for sure a membership? And uh, real quick, about 30 seconds, but what's happening out at Wilderness? Well, we got the uh, Corn Ferry first stage qualifying going on this week. So they just, just got done with the second round. So that's exciting. Awesome. Uh, yeah, you see some incredibly talented players out here. 
you know, and you look down the road, you know, two years ago, three years ago, we had Scotty Scheffler here playing. That's awesome. And Will Zalatoris and Abraham Answer. So it's pretty cool to watch those kids when they're kids kind of play out here, go through the qualifying and, you know, become who they are now. So that's always exciting. Shuey, we appreciate it much, brother. We'll talk next week. Always appreciate you having me on. Chime in 402-466-ESPN or email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com. Just try me, try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Thanks for time here on Hail Varsity. We're presented by Currency for all your equipment financing needs. Go Currency. Some comments here from Matt on StreamYard. We'll get to more emails. Chris at HailVarsity.com. Matt Millen, part of BTN, coming up in 10 minutes. Reminder about Red Zone tickets. Selling fun since 2001. You have a, a game you want to get to? Do you have seats you can't use and need to sell? Red Zone tickets, buys and sells, tickets for all types of events. That's Husker football and, of course, Nebraska volleyball, NFL action. And see Elijah's wheels turning right now to get out there to Donkey Land and maybe go see a Denver game. Creighton Hoops is going to be fantastic this year and a good shot for Nebraska basketball to have maybe a bit of a bounce back. Concerts, theater, College World Series, Hey, it's about experience, it's about memories, and it's about authenticity. That's what Red Zone tickets have. They're located in Omaha. They're reliable. They're local, right? They're your neighbor, and they've got an A-plus Better Business Bureau rating. 100% guarantee on all ticket orders. You'll receive authentic tickets and experiences you won't forget. So get ready to get the uh, the red pen of death out and cross off that bucket list item. Create the memories that will last that lifetime. Do so with the events through your friends at Red Zone Tickets. Red Zone Tickets. Dot com. Matt uh, writes in here, recruiting question, we all agree that the 500-mile radius needs a fence up, right? Who can do that? The closest we've come in modern history is under Bo. No one else, even Frost, got the job done. Hey, uh, Bill Bush is your guy for your 500-mile radius. Think about this. Think of, think of Jared Canick. Think of him. He's out of I don't, Goodland or somewhere in Kansas, right? He was the backup safety that came up and made a ton of plays with with Oklahoma just mm-hmm. two weeks ago. I think he was number eight or number nine. He's a hybrid. He's a safety linebacker hybrid. And Nebraska was kind of in on him, but kind of late on him. Yeah, I think the Nebraska was it, still was finished it, in the top three. Okay. But the point is, is, is Venables got him. Venables had him at Clemson, mm-hmm. okay, and brought him to Oklahoma. Venables saw Simmons that was at Clemson, that hybrid that was a first-round pick for, for Arizona, the, the, the Omaha kid that ended up moving to Kansas City because his folks worked, worked for Nebraska Furniture Mart. Again, another Kansas City project. Venables is a Kansas guy. He's there. I think that's just an example of, of a national guy that, that has roots in, in, uh, in, in, the, in the Midwest. Bush is that guy. Bush can go <clears throat> all over the country because he's been all over the country. But Bush is is very effective in the 500-mile radius. I think the first step, though, in locking up the kids within the 500-mile radius is to win. 
No, it's that, that, that's, that's step number one. You yeah. can you can have the best recruiters on your staff. If your team's going three and nine every single year, those kids are going to be looking elsewhere. They want to go have success. They want to go make it off to the NFL. Right now, Nebraska is not the program where you're going to have success and make it off to the NFL. So if you can start having success and sending dudes off to the NFL, it's going to be a lot easier to lock up the 500 mile radius. The closest, as Matt said, has been Bo. Why? Bo had success and he sent dudes to the NFL. Yep, and uh, they got developed. And guess what? When they were gone, there was somebody ready to come in and pick up the mantle. Matt Millen, BTN, next. Hello, listener. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price. That means that you can get everything we do. Ten issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's HailVarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. Welcome to Hail Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hail Varsity and at Schmidt underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmidt. Back in Hale Varsity Radio, presented by Currency. Big showdown Saturday night in Lincoln under the lights, BTN. Part of the broadcast is uh, Hall of Famer Matt Millen, four-time Super Bowl champ, great linebacker at Penn State. Matt, it's been a long time since we've had a chance to chat. Uh, Big Ten media days are once in a while in the old buffet line at Memorial Stadium. How have you been? I'm doing pretty good, yeah. In fact, looking forward to this, I... I want to see these guys get back on track, and I think uh, in Indiana, that's uh, I think they're playing some pretty good football, so it'll be interesting to see with all the uh, change that's happened. Change being the word, and Nebraska's been through a bit of the ringer with just coaching change the last two decades. Matt, you know the Nebraska program well. You competed against them when you were playing at Penn State, and, and you've covered them, obviously, and you know, no Frost, no Chenander, and Mickey Joseph, a tall task. Defense is uh, what you know, and Bill Bush has taken over as interim defensive coordinator. It just seems like Nebraska's been a step slow and not really uh, – well, they're, they're just swimming, right? They're thinking too much. What Do you see quite a bit of talent on the Nebraska defensive side of the ball as you've studied them a little bit? Do they have some of the, the horses to get it done? Yeah, well, so there's – so in today's football, it's changed, right? Mm-hmm. So first thing you have to look at is, do you have a pass rusher? The answer is no, they yeah. don't. But they have a guy, you know, in in, uh, in Garrett Nelson. I, I think Nelson's the one who gives you an effort, and he can beat you with with uh, on a second effort kind of thing. But in their up front, they don't really have that guy who's just a speed burner and a guy who's just going to get you on your heels the whole time. So that's the first piece. Second thing you have to do is you have to have team speed, and um, they're not slow, they're not fast. Um, and then I think the third thing is you got to have you have to be able to cover. Um, and so if you can cover, and, and so they're they're young guys back there. Their corners are solid. Uh, you know the 
he got a, a transfer in there in that Hill kid, mm-hmm. and then and uh, I think it's is it Newsom. I don't yep, remember. Yep, yep, yep. Quentin Newsom's yeah. good sized kid. Yeah, and so so uh, so and that's your first group. So here's the big piece, right? You need depth mm-hmm. because uh, especially in a game like this where Indiana's going to go fast and Indiana's going to wear you out, and if you have just you know, two corners, they're going to wear your corners out. If you have two backers, they're going to wear them out because they're going to go fast. Uh, now, here, the challenge is to get them off the field as fast as you can, right? Mm-hmm. So if you can go three and out, you're okay. But if you don't and they, and they keep on running play after play after play, they're going to wear you out. So um, is there enough talent there? There's talent there. Is there enough? You don't have your, a too deep. So mm-hmm. um, like, a, you know, like what Ohio State would have or – so there's teams like that. So, yeah, so you're, you're kind of playing from behind a little bit. Matt Millen with us, BTN. He'll be on the call Saturday night, Hale Varsity Radio. Matt, are you surprised it's gotten to this point with Nebraska? You know, I've always been a big fan of the, the Nebraska program. Um, am I surprised that it got here? Uh, yes and no. Um, yes, because I... I, I just think it's a good program. I think it's one of those schools that, like, I think about, you know, Johnny Rogers and, you know, all the all the guys from that. Um, and so it's not that anymore. Football's changing. Recruiting is the name of the game. You have to be able to get people on campus. I think that was one of the things that Scott was counting on, being able to get in there and it, it it was tough to bring him in, and if you did get a guy in and you got him in the, you got him in the, uh, you know, in the, on the track ready to be able to get there, then you know somebody comes in and and, and takes them. Mm-hmm. And so now with the portal, it's even tougher. Back in the day when uh, when uh, Devaney was keeping guys, and they were just they they had a system where they were had this walk on thing that. You know, it wasn't truly a walk-on deal, but it was. He he kept them there, mm-hmm. and he developed them, and then he had he had great teams, and so um, it's it's not that way anymore. It's tough. It's tough to recruit. It's tough to get kids there, and it's tough to keep them. So, yeah. So I think from that perspective, I think it's it's a hard one, but I I still think Nebraska. You know, Nebraska is a great program. A great tradition. Tradition. It's uh, it's one of those schools in the Big Ten that should shine, and it, it's struggling right now. Yeah, Matt. One of the things that's really frustrated Husker fans over the past couple of years is, is recruiting rankings. You look at it, and fans say, "Well, Nebraska's out recruited Iowa this season or Minnesota this season," but it doesn't translate to wins. How you get wins in the Big Ten is with culture and, and team identity. And my question for you is, what kind of culture and team identity do you think Nebraska needs to have with whoever the next head coach ends up being moving forward to have success in the Big Ten? Culture is interesting because culture changes with team to team, and and coaches. Uh, coaches can form a culture or break a culture just like that. And so, you know, the tradition of that place is, is the selling point. And, um, and so whoever comes in there next, <coughs> uh, excuse me, whoever comes in there next is going to have to build their culture. Like Scott had to build his coach culture, and each previous coach before that had to build a culture. And so it's not like, it's not like you're just carrying it on from, the ne- from one to the next. It's tough. Um, ultimately, it comes down to just recruiting. It's what it comes down to. 
And in today's game of the nil, the nil world, which I'm not a big fan of, but that's the way it's gone, and that's the way it is. It's tough, and so you know, it's 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 just paying, it's paying guys, mm-hmm. and um, it's tough. It's it's hard to recruit in that. I don't like it because I think inevitably we're end up we're going to end up having pretty much like the NFL, two conferences, and you'll have the haves and the have-nots, and and you're going to have to get a salary cap. You're going to have to do something. You have to put some kind of way to regulate this because I, I don't I don't like the way it's going. Matt Millen with us, a couple more minutes, part of BTN uh, and uh, his coverage, of course, Saturday night in Nebraska and Indiana. You mentioned team culture. Can you enlighten us on on the Oakland Raiders of the early '80s and just how much how much fun that was? I mean, I, I, I as a kid, I grew up watching NFL films. I loved Howie Long. I loved your the, the Raider mystique, the the the, the renegade right kind of uh, mentality. But man, you got to live it. You got to live it and play some Super Bowls and win some big games. Yeah, and so it was more of an attitude than a culture. <laughs> okay. And that's part of culture. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was one of those things where, um, look, Bob Nelson, who's a Nebraska guy, mm-hmm. yeah, he's a Husker, he played beside me for, you know, how, how many years Bobby and I were together? Yeah, probably seven or eight years there. And uh, you just, the attitude was, we're coming in, we were, now, we were very, very talented, right? So you had... Hall of Fame corners. You had outside backer and Ted Hendricks in the Hall of Fame. You have Howie Long in the Hall of Fame. You have uh, Mike Keynes, Lester Hayes will be in the Hall of Fame. We had we had tons of guys. We had all pros everywhere. You know, Rod Martin was a Pro Bowler and an All Pro. Myself, Ted Hendricks, Howie, Lyle Alzado. I mean, Mike Haynes on the outside, uh, Van McElroy behind us. I mean, we were at, we were really talented. You couldn't afford that team in today's football. Okay. But um, the attitude that they had was, look, we're going in, we're going to do what we want to do, and there's nothing you could do about it. And if, oh, by the way, if you want to get into a fight, we're there for it. <laughs> and so that, that was that was just the way we operated. Uh, I, it was a it was a culture that I I fit, and uh, <laughs> it was fun to do. And uh, you can't do that anymore. Those those days are long gone. What, what about Alzado? Alz, uh, Lyle? I mean, yeah, well, well, uh, you're talking about like a, a team that's willing to fight. He fought Muhammad Ali. Yeah, that's right. I remember that. Yeah, <laughs> that didn't yeah, go. I think he I think he ticked Ali off because at one point Ali decided to really fight him, and yes. he, <laughs> he could have could have abused him if he wanted to. No, but Lyle, that was you know half that stuff. I, I mean, for me, Lyle was Lyle was a good guy, and we got along really yeah. well. His kids, yeah, you know, he had kids and mm-hmm. his wife, and yeah, so we were over there quite a bit. And um, but Lyle, the other part of Lyle was, you know, we called him Three Mile Lyle for a reason. You never knew when he was going to explode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Matt Miller's so, uh, with us. That's pretty good. It's just a different. It's a different time. It's a different league than it is now. You. You, that team couldn't play in today's league. You guys just had to have a hell of a lot of fun, didn't you? Well, there was a lot of that. Yeah, absolutely. That was a that was a fun time, and it was. I've very few. There was only a few teams that I was on that you could do this. Uh, when I was in San Francisco that first year in 1990, mm-hmm. 
we could do this. In 83, we could do this. And in 83, 84, 85, right around in there, where the defense, we would just say, hey, it's time to go. We got to go. And <laughs> we would just, we'd just change it. And it would we just up our game, and it was it was really fun to play. I mean, that was we could dominate a game just by willing it, and that was very very rare. You know, I I watched the documentary uh, on John Madden. You were so close with John, weren't you? Yeah, John's my guy. He was uh, he was rare, and John was one of one. And for whatever reason, he he kind of took a liking to me. And um, yeah, I miss him. I miss talking to him. You I got miss, to go I on the bus, the, didn't you, with him quite a yeah, bit? Yeah, we'd be on the bus on my. And I would be. He'd have the no farting rule. I'd break it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I, I read the the no fart and no dump rule. Correct. Yeah, you got it. That's exactly right. <laughs> yeah, I just I just missed the guy. John was usually the smartest guy in the room. Mm-hmm. Very, very bright guy. Um, he had a way of just breaking things down simplistically that you could anybody could um, could follow it. And he just uh, he was just a smart person. He was a good person, and uh, I, I miss him. Mm. Actually, he and Al Davis. I miss talking to Al Davis a bunch too. Mm. He was another one really, really smart, and uh, I miss them both. Now, uh, Matt, this is a bit timely here because. Uh, my dad, he was a high schooler in Denver in the, in the early 80s, and he has a lot of painful memories watching the, the, the Raiders come to Denver. And now we got the, the Broncos and the Raiders coming up on Sunday. Can you talk a little bit about that Raiders-Broncos rivalry? Yeah, so if it's like the old Raider-Broncos, it's going it's, it's to be fun to play in because, well, they, it's not. Here's what, look, here's what it was, and I've told John Elway this many times. I thought John Elway was the best quarterback that we ever saw. Hmm. And... People, when they ask me why, I tell them this. Simply this is the answer. We played the Denver Elways. They didn't have a running game. They had John. They didn't have great receivers. They had John. They didn't have a good offensive line. They had John. And they would they'd be competitive games every stinking time. And that guy, I don't know how he found a way to do it. We beat the living fists out of him. And he still... <laughs> found a way to get him in games. He was he was amazing. And when his when his skill level declined, they got a runner and they won Super Bowls. Mm. He was still that good. So a lot of a lot of respect for John Elway. Matt Millen, part of BTN, uh, Hall of Fame linebacker, four time Super Bowl champ, and of course uh, great at Penn State. Uh, one name that's out there and I'll let you go after this, Matt, and we'll see you Saturday night. Bill O'Brien. Uh coordinator at Alabama, did good things, but kind of got ran out in Houston. And, of course, you know how he elevated Penn State a little more than a decade ago. Uh, O'Brien in Nebraska, could that be a fit? If Bill wants to take the job, Bill O'Brien will make any program better. I was really impressed with him uh, when he came into Penn State Mm -hmm. because that was not easy to do. Right. You're following a legend in Joe Paterno, and there were all these expectations and the way things were done, and the certain culture was there, and I mean it was it was not easy. And Bill O'Brien came in there, and uh, heck, I think they voted him Coach of the Year that mm-hmm. year. They did. But he was um, 
he's a good X and O guy. He's a play caller. He's really he's he's got some good Irish in him, so you know he's going to give a good fight. <laughs> but ultimately, it comes down to this: mm-hmm. if you can recruit, you got a chance. Sure. Because if my players are better than your players, we're going to win. Mm-hmm. The ones when you have when our my players are are even to your players, coaching makes a big difference. Mm-hmm. And so he can get you better. Um, but you still have to recruit. Matt Millen. Matt, looking forward to seeing you Saturday night. Thanks for your time today. Good stuff from uh, Matt Millen, part of BTN. He'll be on the call Saturday night. Nebraska, Indiana, his thoughts on the Big Red, what he's seen on film, what he thinks of the matchup, little Raider talk, uh, the John Elway pinata experience. That was awesome. Thanks. And (laughs) then Matt Millen on Bill O'Brien. And Matt obviously connected at Penn State. Reminder to, reminder to get buckled up, hands on the wheel, eyes and mind straight ahead. The driver has one job, that's to drive this message from the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Hail Varsity Radio rolls forward as we are presented by Currency for all your equipment financing needs. Go Currency. We'll get to some of your phone calls. Evan Bland, thoughts on the Big Red coming up with the World Herald. Hail Varsity uh, continues. We're presented by Currency. And now. And now, back to Hail Varsity Radio. Back with you. Big thanks to Matt Millen. We say hi to Evan Bland, Omaha World Herald. As Nebraska, Indiana, set to go. Evan, how's your Wednesday? Thanks for the time today. Yeah, doing great, man. It's starting to feel like fall, right? Like you get the hot games, and now it really feels like football season. So it's all good. No, it is just pleasant out. It is so gorgeous, sun drenched, perfect chill in the air. So we have to do like an Oklahoma draw outside after the show or something. I'm gonna go do a. I'm gonna go find seven thousand pounds of meat to put on my grill drill. Mm, that's a good alternative. Uh, is what I'm looking at. <laughs> Evan, okay, biggest confidence and biggest concern for Saturday if you're Nebraska. Well, my biggest confidence, I, I think, is the game in general. I think there are going to be a lot of points. This feels like a shootout under the lights to me. Uh, you look at what Indiana's defense has been able to do, what it hasn't been able to do, uh, and, and it's a lot of similar struggles to Nebraska. Um, you know, it's it's been lousy on third down, uh, stopping third down. That is, uh, you know, the the running lanes have been there, the passing uh, opportunities as well, and so I. Anticipate Nebraska is going to be able to move the ball pretty well. I think Casey Thompson uh, has, a, has a bounce back game. If you know kind of what drives him and how he prepares, um, you know I think Anthony Grant has a has a good game too. So I would expect the offense to move the ball. Um, you know the the biggest concern I suppose would be on the other side. What can the defense do? How much of an impact can Bill Bush make as uh, you know with one week as as defensive coordinator? How much? Can can they shore up some of the, you know, gap integrity and and uh, just the struggles in the trenches that they've had? And I think you know more than that, what Indiana presents as a challenge, guys, as, as you know, you know they, they they play with a tempo, they pass right now more more uh, attempts per game than anyone else in the FBS, and so what that does. For Nebraska's secondary, is it means they need to tackle in space. They need to be assignment sound because if you miss that first 
uh, you know, that, that, that first tackle is missed, um, you know, then suddenly a three or four yard gain turns into 10 or 15 or something else. So, um, you know, I, I think again, there's, there's a lot for that defense to show that it's improved upon. And again, Indiana's strength and in offense, I think will test that. Evan, I was really impressed uh, when I watched Indiana take on Illinois a couple weeks ago. And I was really impressed with how Indiana, uh, how physical they were at the point of attack. And uh, my question for you is, what is your concern level with Nebraska's offensive line on Saturday night up against Indiana? Well, I mean, they have some new pieces, right? I mean, Ethan Piper's you know, starter there at left guard. They, they shuffle Turner Corcoran around a little bit on, on to left tackle to fill in for, for Teddy, who's out for the year. Um, so... You know, it's not a great situation there. I think they're they're already having to dig pretty deep into the depth chart um, when you talk about injuries and, and the suspension to Nuri and, and everything else going on. Uh, but, you know, again, I, I think Anthony Grant's going to have a good game. What he's shown uh, against every team not named Oklahoma has been really impressive, and Indiana has shown that it's not immune to, uh, you know, giving up some big ground games to some talented backs. I mean, just ask Chase Brown from Illinois in, in that opener. He almost, I think he was a yard shy of 200. So uh, I anticipate that they'll still be able to move that thing. Now, you know, how Indiana does it and how uh, Tom Allen does it is is they're going to take some chances. They're going to get probably two or three sacks, um, you know, have some have some tackles for loss, but they're also because they take those chances, they're going to give up some big plays. And um, so, you know, again, if, even if Nebraska scores thirty five and looks good, I don't know that their uh, their problems are solved. Um, but you know, again, I, I think they're going to have a good chance to score some points to bounce back from what is a you know still a really good Oklahoma defense two weeks ago. Um, and, and I would expect them to be able to move the ball pretty well. Evan Bland with us, Omaha World Herald, talking Nebraska, Indiana. Evan, the offensive line is a, is a major concern for me with Nebraska protection, and Allen's aggressive. I know Indiana's been giving up a lot of points, but they do have some athletes, and I thought their their secondary is probably um, their their strength. I mean, they they have some guys. They're just they're they're just not Indiana of. 2020. I, and I think the concern here with the offensive line is the fact that one or two breakdowns in a game that, that could be a high-scoring shootout flips could lose it. you a game. Yeah, it flips you either a possession or a strip sack or pick six, whatever, right? You get your quarterback smushed. What's your read, or, or more so the why? why? Why do you think Nebraska doesn't have alternative options on the line or at tackle? They're just going to ride with some of these high-profile guys that have seen some football that still haven't developed or or maybe that's maybe that's part of Saturday night I'm not writing any of them off but uh, it's been an Achilles heel for sure yeah I mean you know it's the O-line we talked about it all offseason right it's not a surprise I don't think that they've struggled a little bit but I, I do think some of the struggles have been obscured by bigger struggles elsewhere obviously on the defense and and special teams hasn't really gotten going even though it hasn't been the liability that it was but you know they still have a new position coach who's still learning things they still have a a new offensive coordinator um you know some of it, it it comes down to the discussion we've had at other positions too where how much value or how much weight maybe do you put on what a guy does in practice versus what he does in the game and, and as we've known this staff has put a ton of weight on practice and, and, and how guys have performed and how reliable they are how much uh, they know what to do at a certain call 
And I think there's some frustration there because, you know, certainly if you're on the outside looking, you say, why don't you give Brant Banks a chance? Why don't you give, um, you know, Ethan Piper is going to get his chance now. Why don't you give uh, some of these younger guys a look? Uh, and, and the answer may just be because they don't have anybody else they either trust or anybody else they feel can get the job done yeah, even to that level. So it's not a great situation. Um, you know, Hunter Anthony, I think, is another option, uh, someone who came from Oklahoma State and who had some time there. Uh, he's somebody that, uh, why not? Why not give him a look and see what he can do um, as someone who started with a Power 5 team before, too? But uh I think some of it, too, has been Anthony Grant has honestly bailed him out a couple of times, right? Like some of the individual efforts that he's made, cutbacks, things that he's seen. So this is this is when we really start to figure it out, right? Because if if they do struggle to move the ball against Indiana, then you're, you're in deep trouble moving forward into the rest of that Big Ten slate when these defenses start to get tougher, particularly into the month of November. Um, like this, this to me is a game where you, you do have to build some confidence. You have to uh, this week and next week with Rutgers. These are games that, if nothing else, Nebraska needs to be competitive to hang your head on something and to say we can build towards something in the second half of the season. Because if they get run this weekend or next weekend, it's just really hard to uh, lay out a path in which they can recover and be competitive down the stretch. So, Evan, in your opinion, is this game this weekend kind of the sign to you whether or not this is a lost season for Nebraska? I think some fans have already written it off as a lost season because of, of all the change and the turnover and the coaching staff, but I don't think the team believes that it's a lost season just yet, but could that change for you on Saturday? Yeah, I mean, it does feel like sort of a big game because you can you can kind of write off the Oklahoma game, right? Like, they were, they were a top-ten team. Plus, there was such a short turnaround from the coaching change to when they got on the field that you could say, okay, you know, you're really not going to change much in five or six days. But coming off of the bye, facing a team that on paper is very similarly talented to Nebraska, um, yeah, I think it's a game where you need to, again, at least be competitive. You need to um, show that you can make in-game adjustments. You need to be sound from a, a strategy perspective. You know, it'll be interesting to see how much uh, Nebraska wants to slow down the tempo. Mickey Joseph indicated they would, but to to what extent do you do that to protect the defense? So, um, yeah, I mean, uh, I do think when when you're a team facing your peer in a lot of ways, and I think right now Indiana is sort of the East version of Nebraska, then you, you need to be competitive. You need to show that there are other ways that you can win the game other than just you know, being the better team like they were against North Dakota, and, and this is a big a big week for that. And if they get blown out and if they lose by double digits and things don't look good, you know, again, it's it's hard to sort of make a case that things are going to get better as the competition gets tougher. Schmidt, I don't mean to step on your toes here, but really fast, just saying Indiana. Step away, brother. Saying Indiana is the East Division version of Nebraska is it's generous to Nebraska. Yeah, maybe so, maybe so, but like. You know, it, you look fair. at how these, teams, how these teams were coming into the year, right? Like, these were two teams that if you were to said in June when they met, the, these would have been two programs potentially with coaches on the hot seat. Like, Tom Allen was, was sort of feeling it a little bit after they, you know, had, a, had what they were would consider to be a lost season last year. And what have they done? I mean, they're 3-1, and one, but two of their wins are by three points. Nebraska's 1-3, and three, and two of their losses are by three points. So, if nothing else, Indiana has shown – uh, a propensity for for winning at least this season in some tight situations, maybe when they shouldn't. Nebraska's gone the other way on that, but 
um, ultimately in the hierarchy of things, yeah, it, it's not something Nebraska fans want to hear. It sounds kind of weird um, to say that, that those programs are on equal footing, but right now, uh, in a lot of ways, certainly from an on-field perspective, that's where it stands. And so that's why it's such an interesting uh, sort of litmus test or barometer for Nebraska this weekend. Uh, Ken emails in, and Elijah, you have come a long way to the dark side of negativity. Kent says congratulations. (laughs) Uh, Evan Bland with us. Evan, about 90 seconds, bud. Uh, A thought from you. What what name has picked up steam or or got your wheels turning out there with the, the, the coaching carousel? Well, I'll, I'll tell you what. I'm actually going to be. Uh, I'm going to go down to Kansas this weekend and catch the the Matt Campbell Lance Leipold uh, Bowl. I guess the you Trent Alberts Bowl. Yeah, wh- whatever you want to call it. So those two guys to me are both really interesting for different reasons. Um, you know, they're both former Division three grinders who turned around Mac schools and now they're doing the same at Big Twelve schools that have, as, as Nebraska fans know, historically very little success. And so it's. I think their formula of uh, adjusting, they have a history of, of, of adjusting to their personnel. They have a history of building relationships. They have a history of being, you know, genuine guys, culture builders. Uh, and, and then that sort of translates out onto the field. Um, I'm going to be watching both of those guys. I think it's really, it's really fascinating with the continuity that they have, the identities that they've they've built. They're different ages, right? Matt Campbell's in his early 40s, Lance Leipold's in his late 50s. But, um, you know, again, just sort of their Midwest ties. I really believe that that has to be a priority with Nebraska's next head coach. Is you got to have a staff and, and the head coach who who have Midwest connections, who can recruit um, locally in that 500 mile radius. I think that's that's more important in this era when everybody has facilities and money and exposure. Like you need guys uh, who who have roots who have uh you know pride for this area and so i think that's one reason that those two guys are particularly attractive candidates i've been last thought about 10 seconds waka flocka yes or no yeah sure (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's an endorsement i love it i love it ringing endorsement yeah it is we'll uh we'll get caught up again evan good stuff great good for you we we had toyed with going down to lawrence for a pregame and then trying to get back for another pregame kickoff indiana nebraska just can't logistically do it you have a good trip and we'll talk next week Thanks, guys. There he is. Evan Bland with us from the World Herald. Jock Doc's on the way with Dr. Ben Woodhead. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you, it's Hale Varsity Radio. Time for a Jock Doc Wednesday with Nebraska Orthopedic Center. Dr. Ben Woodhead with us. Dr. Ben, how we doing? I'm doing great this week, Chris. How about yourself? Man, it is uh, sparkling weather out this week. It's football season, and you really can't complain. Although, if you ask Bill Belichick, day to day is how he would list Mac Jones, the New England quarterback, as uh, he had to be carried off uh, like a European soccer player. Uh, the difference being. Well, Mac Jones has one monster of a high ankle sprain, Dr. Ben. Yeah, these are tough injuries. You know, that's the problem is that you you certainly can have a low ankle sprain and a high ankle sprain. The problem is, is when you get up in the higher region, 
these can they can linger they can last forever sometimes they even require a surgical type procedure um, I guess a lot of it just depends on the severity of, of how bad he hurt it and I guess we'll see how he does well you have a game against Green Bay Sunday Belichick stiff arm most of the questions while he's day to day and I can hear Bill's dulcet, dulcet tone saying while he's day to day but uh, tell me about the ability to make progress, as awful as it looked, where he's getting carried off. How do you get, you know, playable? How do you get better that, that quickly, uh, aside from Mr. Miyagi? <laughs> well, you know, with these high ankle sprains, the force that goes through the ankle when you, you tear those ligaments, it's just a very high amount of force. And so sometimes you'll tear those ligaments, they'll be unstable, Um you really are waiting for that swelling and that stability to kind of go down and then come back in the ankle. And it makes it very difficult because the healing phase for these can, it can be up to six to eight weeks. It's not like one of the usual ankle sprains you hear about where you twist your foot a little bit, you swell for a couple of days, and then you gradually get back with an ankle brace. This can be a very severe injury and a lingering injury. And he's certainly not going to say much because he doesn't want anybody, you know, to tip off on it. But at the same time, yeah, it's, these can be a bad actor. Dr. Ben Woodhead is with us here, a Jock Doc Wednesday on Hale Varsity Radio. And uh, Dr. Ben, I think the best part of Belichick's press conference this morning was whenever he was asked about it, he said, what do I look like, a doctor? <laughs> and uh, I think what's awesome is now we are talking with a doctor about this. And you, you talk about the, the surgical intervention that's sometimes required for an injury like this. What is fixed during a surgery like that? It doesn't seem like uh, an ankle sprain is something you'd usually require surgery for. So, so what is being done if surgery is required here? Well, so certainly if it's a lower ankle sprain, you never start with surgery. Sometimes they can go in if the ankle is somewhat unstable later on and you can fix the ligaments. When you get a bad high ankle sprain, though, you have ligaments that are in between your shin bone and your fibula or your outside bone. And so if that gets torn in the sense that the ankle will widen, you actually will have to go in there and surgically place a type of device that holds those two bones together. Now, it doesn't sound like that's what is going on with Mac Jones, but certainly these injuries can be severe enough that they can go in there, they can actually have to, or they will actually have to hold those bones together and allow those ligaments to heal over time. Dr. Ben Woodhead is with us, Nebraska Orthopedic Center, and Jock Doc Wednesday, Mac Jones, the high ankle sprain. And is he going to be ready to go on Sunday or not? Uh, Bill Belichick really doing his best uh, protection here on on the quarterback uh, with the media. Uh, Bill went as far as to say, "I'm not going to let you read his MRI." Uh, and, and you you know a little bit about Bill uh, just from a family standpoint with what it's like to have uh, blood playing for the guy. Yeah, and you know, my stories, how much I've actually been told the truth, it's hard to say as well to keep everybody that plays for him tight-lipped, but I certainly know the uh, Belichick story and how he has his players and the information out there in New England. He really keeps it a tight lip, and he does not allow basically any of the information out, and so um, I certainly know that that is a real thing, that he will he will not give any information that he does not have to and keeps everybody guessing, so, and that's kind of been his mind mantra for years absolutely so say mac is a go 
how effective can he be? And I'm not sure if it's right, high ankle or left, but we're back to whether it's the plant foot or that front left leg if he's following through on a pass, let alone the, the mobility needed with even the pro-style offense New England uses. Yeah, I mean, just from an opinion standpoint, if it truly is a high ankle sprain and, and if it's the severity that he had to be carried off, I would I would be surprised if he is a full go. I think it's going to be very difficult. There's not, there's not that much amount of tape and an ankle brace that's going to provide that much stability to where he's going to be able to function at 100% if he truly did have that type of high ankle sprain. Now, if he had a lower ankle sprain, you know, he could certainly be more of a day-to-day, see how he does with the swelling, get the ice, get – basically, you know, some of the stability out of tape in the ankle and with an ankle brace. But, you know, if it's truly high ankle, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be hard for him to go at it. Now, Dr. Ben, Mac Jones, not the only athlete suffering a high ankle, high ankle sprain over the weekend, as uh, Trent Williams from the 49ers did, Kevin Williams, Nebraska offensive lineman didn't. Just with these guys as a whole, what, what is this return like? It, I mean, when you think of a low ankle sprain, you kind of think of, of playing through the pain. Is it similar with the high ankle sprain, or are there other risk factors here for these guys getting back onto the field? Well, there's just a lot more pain and swelling generally with these high ankle sprains. You know, they will classify the lower ankle sprains in grades depending on which ligament was affected. Um, and a lot of that is kind of correlated to the amount of stability that's there. So if you don't, if you just tweak the ligament and you just get swelling, you know, you're really just relying on the swelling to get better and, you know, to where you can get your function back. Now, the problem is once you get into those higher ankle sprains and you actually do tear some of the ligaments, you're really waiting for that healing phase and for that ligament to scar in. And so until until that improves and until the healing takes place, it's going to be very difficult to cut, to pivot, to run. Um, and so that's why the high ankle sprain, um, it really can be, it can be much more of a problem for these athletes. Yeah, and coming back, Dr. Bennett, is this something that, that could derail a season in terms of the re-injury risk moving forward on a football field? I don't know if it's going to re-injure uh, necessarily as much as just might linger for some time. And so, like I said, these high ankle sprains, they just they take a while to recover. And so it's certainly going to place him at a re-injury risk if he's favoring it or he could certainly hurt something else if he goes back before he's 100% because – you know, he is not going to click on all cylinders. He's not going to be 100% in terms of his speed and cutting. It certainly can place him at risk for other injuries. Dr. Ben Woodhead with us. Nebraska Orthopedic Center at Jock Doc Wednesday. Mac Jones, our topic. Real quick, Dr. Ben, ice, electrodes, elevation. I mean, is that all part of the recovery? Absolutely. The rice therapy that we often hear about is you elevate as much as you can. They're going to have rehab working on him. They're going to be doing all the new modalities to try and get the swelling down because once the swelling goes down um, and his symptoms get better, he can certainly try. The biggest issue is, though, is he going to have stability of that? Is it still going to hurt? Um, is it going to, if it is, is left, you know, is he going to be able to plant and, and run on it and make the cuts that he needs? Well, isn't that incredible, Dr. Ben, that whether you, you drop your phone in water, whether it's a high ankle sprain, that the fix is always rice. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Man, uh, who knew, right? <laughs> we, just, so we, we just thought it was what it was for dinner. I mean, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Ben Woodhead with us, Nebraska Orthopedic Center. Dr. Ben, enjoy the week. Thanks for the time today. You guys, too. Pleasure talking with you. Good stuff from Dr. Ben Woodhead, uh, Nebraska Orthopedic Center. We'll get to some final tweets, some emails, and uh, Belichick specifically on on the Mac Jones. Denial, denial, denial. And uh, get you ready for a Thursday. 
Hail Varsity continues presented by Currency. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time on a Wednesday, it's Hail Varsity. We're presented by Currency. For all your equipment financing needs, go Currency. Friday, we are at the Single Barrel. In the Haymarket, downtown Lincoln, come see us and uh, get fired up for Nebraska-Indiana. We're also there for the weekend edition pregame at 3.30, 3.30 to 5.30 ahead in Nebraska-Indiana. So Steve tweets in a bit ago uh, about Lance getting the extension at Kansas. That's probably on the table. You've had uh, a warning shot fired by the Kansas AD. We're not going to lose him without a fight or... Something, um, I'm paraphrasing to the effect that he'll get a bump and probably a naughty buyout. Troy checks in. I like Leopold. And everyone says, well, he's won at every stop. But I think to myself, so did Tim Miles. I'm hoping for Mark Stoops or Aranda. Never happened. But I like the Washington coach, Kalen DeBoer. He's He's from Sioux Falls. It might be the University of Sioux Falls. He's similar to what what Lance did at Whitewater. I mean, you, your record's like 99-3. and three. The difference is uh, Leipold's won championships or gotten to championships, right? Tim Miles got to the dance, different sport. But Tim Miles wasn't cranking out Mountain West championships. Lance has won national championships. So uh, that remains uh, a hot name as Nebraska will uh, try and get it done, Elijah. Tomorrow on the show, Dr. Rob Zadiska, Husker, Husker Pipeline. Uh, Love Mr. Dr. Offensive Rob. Lineman. Love Dr. Rob. Dr. Rob will be with us. Gary Barnett with us. Brandon Vogel. VEASAN Sports Network's Danny Burke for Best Bets. We'll also hear from Mickey Joseph, ahead of Nebraska, Indiana. You're going to want to check out today. Great stuff from Mike Babcock and Mike Shuhart. Matt Millen was incredible with some old Oakland Raiders stories and uh, what, what they did to poor John Elway all those years in Denver. And really some honest feedback on what he sees with Nebraska. And you'll want to hear what he has to say about Bill O'Brien. That's a name that's been out there for the Nebraska gig. And uh, Matt knows O'Brien from his time at Penn State because, of course, Millen's an old Penn State guy. Good stuff from Evan Bland as well. Big, big ball game for the Nebraska offensive line Saturday. They're all big. But if you're going to be in a in a, in a in a potential score fest, Elijah, your line's got to not be the failure, not, not give up a third and eight scoop and score or blindside or let's get Casey injured or whoever's playing quarterback because uh, you get beat off the edge. Because you know Tom Allen's going to bring the kitchen sink. Just a question of what this offensive line was able to do over, over the bye week. Did they get better day by day? Well, what's we don't know their ceiling. They can, they can, they can work all they want. right? They can get better. But is their strength going to be able to fire off the ball, drive block, Nebraska, without any quarterback run element, going to be able to get three a carry, four a carry, keep it in second and manageable. Well, I can just tell you right now, they're not even close to their ceiling. 
I'll say that. I, I'm confident in saying that, that this is not a, 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 a offensive line that is just, you know, so much further behind the rest of the Big Ten. It's just it, they're not close to their ceiling. Yep, they'll uh, keep working towards it. Back at you tomorrow at 4 on Hale Varsity, presented by Currency. A Huda Media Production.